Father, this morning we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. This Monday morning, but Sunday evening, for so many who are gathered even now, when as Peter said, Lord, you continue speaking, Father. You're not just the God who spoke yesterday morning and stopped. You'll continue speaking. Because if you do not continue speaking, our faith will not continue growing. Because faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God, the God who continues to speak to his children. Therefore, give us hearing ears. Even this morning, help us to know that you are here. Because if you are not here, it would be I who would be speaking. But if you are here, you will speak through me. Therefore, we magnify your holy name. We magnify your holy word. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not a dot from your word. For your word is forever settled in the heavens. That's why we magnify your word. That's why we come for the hearing of your word. That our faith may be established in the God of the word, the God who spoke. Speak this morning, Lord. Strengthen and encourage your children, all of us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we'll continue from where we stopped yesterday, Joshua chapter 3. We'll go to Joshua chapter 3. And verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Return with me to, we'll come back to Joshua, but return with me to Genesis chapter 50. And verse 25. And 26. This is how the book of Genesis ends. And Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. And Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. This is how the book of Genesis ends. Now, 500 years have passed by. And they have come to that moment where the promise of God is going to be fulfilled, that moment where they are going to cross over. This is the moment generations have waited. It's a moment we need to realize. 2,000 years, generations have waited for that moment when Jesus said, I will come. And when he comes, everyone crosses over. Even those who have died are waiting for that day when they will be perfected. Because only with us 
will that day come for us. So it is something typical of like that for Israel. They have waited 500 years for this moment. The previous generation blew it up. They could have crossed over 38 years earlier, but they didn't because of their unbelief. Another generation has risen and that moment has come. And God is saying, he's going to do amazing things in their midst. Between them and everything God has promised stands a river. They have to cross the river. Everything God has promised for Israel is on the other side of the river. And before they can cross over, before they can cross over and possess the promises of God, there is one command to the people. The command to the people is sanctify yourself. Okay, please also remember that is the same command to us. In Hebrews 12 and verse 14, God says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. When we cross over, the day when we come, we cross over. Either it is death or it is Christ coming. We will all cross over. And when we cross over, if you are going to see his face, there is only one thing God asks us. Sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself that we may see the Lord. And one of the ways in which we sanctify is, is pursuing peace with all men. And holiness is towards God. Okay? This thing we looked at it. We looked at it yesterday. We go back to Joshua. It's a very powerful chapter, very, very powerful chapter, chapter three. Okay. In verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was Moses, so I will be with you. In the entire process of what is going to happen over there, you will see one man is magnified. One man is magnified. The man that will be magnified is Joshua. There are so many things that will happen in their history. In this particular episode and subsequent events, so many things. But one man will be constantly be magnified. It is Joshua. In 2000 years of church history, so many things have happened in church's history. But only one man should be magnified as his name is Yeshua. Okay? His name is Yeshua. Only he should be magnified. Remember, this is important because you know what? God will not share his glory because his glory we cannot share. We cannot share his glory. We cannot handle the weight of that glory. One day he will. Please remember, one day he will share his glory with his children. That's why he's trying to conform us to the image of his son because only that image can handle that glory without going down under it. Even Satan, with some reflected glory, fell from heaven because pride got into his heart. Okay, So we need to realize, if we are not conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, his character, we cannot handle the glory of That's why what people you will see all fall apart. When they get rich, when they get famous, when they get power, when they get recognition, you see people falling apart is because they cannot handle glory. And this glory is vain glory. We haven't even seen real glory. We don't even know what real glory is. 
when they are touched by the vain glory of this world, people just fall apart and they think they are separate from the rest of the world and you will see they are going down so fast because we cannot handle glory. Yet glory is what we are supposed to have because we were created originally with glory. We were made only a little lesser than the angels. But one day he will crown us with glory. But before each one can be crowned with glory, we have to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And the closest we are to the image of Jesus Christ, the more glory can God give to us. It's as simple as that. As stars differ in glory, the Bible says, Daniel says, so will the saints differ in glory. But remember this. It's one person who is going to be magnified and be very sure it is Christ who is magnified. Yesterday we saw about sanctification, but get this very, very clear that it is about Christ and it is not about us because you can go wrong. And a lot of people in the old covenant and in the new covenant, we see people who started by faith and then after some time, they just become static. They settle down in their lease, as uh, the Bible talks about Ephraim, a Moab, settled down in the lease. What happens is because they took their eyes off God. I said, if you want to, the end of it is the salvation of our entire soul. Then our eyes should be all of us upon Jesus and not about us. Because faith, its objective, its primary objective is to please God. But in the process of pleasing God, we receive lots of benefits. But the benefit is the end product, but it is not the primary product. If receiving becomes the primary product, you will go down in your faith. You will not move farther in faith. So this is where people get trapped. That's why I said the message is so subtle, so subtle, that if you do not have discernment, we will not realize this message is not about God. It's about me. And it's just using God to magnify man. Or is it magnifying God? Okay. That's where it happens. And let's, let's look to the next, next Words over there. There. Verse 6. Joshua spoke to the priest saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. So one set of people are separated. And they are called to go before the people. Okay. So you always need to see in history there are always people who went before us. I think, uh, was it the American poet, Robert Frost? I forgot the poem where he talks about the beaten track in the forest. Yeah, okay. Beaten uh, track in the forest. You see, when you're going into a jungle, which you haven't gone before, you always look and you see, okay, there is one track. Somebody has gone before me. Somebody has gone before me. If that person hasn't gone before me, then everything is strange and scary and unsure. But because somebody has gone before us, we are able to tread that path. That's why Hebrews 11 talks about an entire cloud of saints who have gone before us. Because we are surrounded by a cloud of saints. 
Abel went before us, showed us a way how we can approach God. Enoch showed, even after the fall, it is possible for man to walk with God. Noah showed us it is possible to do a work in our lifetime for the saving of our souls and our families. Abraham showed us a way it is possible to live in the promises of God. Isaac showed us a way that without conflict and fighting, you still can be blessed. Jacob showed us a way that even if your beginning is terrible, you can still finish well. And Joseph showed us a way that right in the midst of pagan and idol idol culture, you can still stand there and be a witness of the living God. So these are all people who have gone before us. But above all, the writer says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because he has shown us a way where no man has gone before. Nobody has risen from the dead and come back and shown us a way to back to the Father. It is Jesus. It is Jesus who is the way. So that is the path. So there are always people. That's why the Bible talks about don't move the ancient boundaries. There are ancient, search for those ancient ways the prophets will say. And we have fallen down into a mess in this world is because we strayed away from the ancient ways, the ways of people who have gone before us. Here, one set of people are called, the priests are called. And I told yesterday, when did the Levites become a separated group? Because on a fateful day, you need to realize in all our lives, there will be fateful days. We sometimes, we not even realize on that day, the decision we made was a decision that changed our life. Which way did we turn? On that day, one tribe took a decision. Moses asked this question, who will stand? Come to my side. Only the Levites moved. There were 12 tribes, thousands and thousands of people. One tribe made their choice and they moved towards Moses. Of course, the choice they made was very painful to them and brought death in the camp. But they made a decision for God. And from that day, the Levites were set apart for God. And today has come the day Israel is going to cross over. And when Israel has to cross over into the land of promises, the priests are called again. The priests are called again. What are they asked to do? They are asked to cross before. Cross before. Okay. So we need to understand, we are a royal priesthood. The Bible talks of the new covenant, the church. Again, God is reverting back to his original plan for God. Man man was made in the image and the likeness of God. So God, now through Jesus Christ, everyone is born again, is born of the spirit. God is spirit. He's recreating us, the new creation in the image and the likeness of God. And then his original plan for Israel always was, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation for it. So he comes and says, you know what? You are are a royal priesthood. Okay? He says, that was my original plan. I want everybody to be a priest. Everybody to be a way maker. Mm-hmm. We sing about Jesus. He's a way maker. Every child of Christ should be a way maker because, see, this is the, this is the old stories uh, great men used to say. There are four gospels in the Bible which most people won't read and then there is this fifth gospel which is you. Like Mose is sitting here between among us, but in his company at GMR, there are hundreds of employees. And you need to realize they see Moses. 
That's what Jesus said. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. You shall be my witness. A witness without words sometimes. Without words. There is no record of Joseph witnessing, testifying in Potiphar's house or in the prison. He's not, but his life is the witness and he's witnessing. And ultimately they realize because there are so many gods in Egypt. It is a place of sorcery and power and magic and witchcraft. But one man and his God stands apart. That's what God is talking about. So every priest in the new covenant is positionally and should be functionally a way maker. So they took up the ark. It is not that the priests are to go ahead. No. If the priests go ahead, they will drown. They have to carry the ark of the covenant and go. So many priests in the new covenant have drowned. It's because they did not carry the ark. This is not by might. Or by my strength. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. Only, he says, without me, you can do nothing. And it's an actual fact. Because on the day of judgment, when the fire goes through, we will see most of our works were nothing. Because we did it on our own strength. We did not carry the ark and go ahead. So God is not saying, let the priest go forward. He says, no, not the priest go forward. The priest shall Carry the ark and go forward. And he says in verse 8, it's, it is crucial. This is what you shall command. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. That is where it begins. Okay, it is not easy. <laughs> okay, like I tell you, it is not easy. God says, He says, what you are called to do is to stand. Okay, one of the revelatory epistles of the work. See, in the four Gospels, we see the life and the death of Jesus Christ. But what he actually did, what he actually did is revealed in the epistles. But first we have to know about the life of Jesus Christ through the four gospels. Meditate, 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 meditate until we get the person. This is the kind of person who did the work. The problem is if you only know the work he did and do not know the person, you will still miss out in life. Because it is not so much about the work which benefits us. We need to fall in love with the person who did this work. And the four Gospels shows the person of Jesus Christ. The epistles tell us about the work of Jesus Christ. And one of the most revelatory works of Jesus Christ for us and therefore when we are with Christ, this is the same work that continues in and through us, is the book of Ephesians. And one of the first things the book of Ephesians says in Ephesians 2, 6 is that when he was raised up, we were raised up together and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. This is the first thing which we need to learn every morning. Once you get up in the morning and you rise up from your bed, you have to learn to sit with Christ. This is the order in the kingdom of God. That is what Hebrews uh, 4 will talk about. Laboring to enter into the rest of God. You know what he's talking about? A normal thing. You work the whole day. Then you come. You know, there's an old uh, story from Soviet Union where this uh, 
man, you know, his boots is one size smaller. And after so many years, the boot uh, is fallen apart. So when he goes to the bootmaker, he says, the bootmaker, he says, no, no, yeah, that's my size, but make it one size smaller. He says, why? Why? It will be very uncomfortable, painful, he said, yeah, but I wanted one size small. And the bootmaker was very surprised. He said, can you tell me the reason? He says, you know what? My life is difficult. It's a very hard knock life. Whole day I'm working and working and working and working and working. And finally in the evening when I come down and sit in my chair and ask my wife, honey, can you pull out the shoes? That is the first moment of pleasure I receive when that boot is taken off. So I want it one size less. But we need to get the principle. We all labor, and then when we come back in the evening, typical normal working man's day, we sit down, and we put our feet up. And our dear wives, I'm talking about normal thing, okay? Brings your cup of chai, okay? That is when you rest. You sit down. Sitting is a position of rest. And God says, the first thing you need to realize is you have been seated with Christ. If you do not labor to enter into that position, you will be troubled through the day by the trials and the testings that are going to come. But if you are seated in that place, you will be able to see what really life is like. That he has taken care of it. He has overcome. He is seated on the throne. God is in control. It is done. It is finished. So that is our first thing in the morning. And if you don't do, if the, whenever you have done it, you will see. You can handle the pressures that come. Sometimes like waves, like floods, they come. But you are able to stand there because you were sat there. So this is the first thing he says. First, be seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. After that, the next few chapters, three, four, five, all will talk about how to walk in Christ. Walk in light, walk in love, walk in liberty. It's talking about the walk. But you cannot learn to walk unless you have seated. You will not learn to walk. Because you will be always walking under condemnation. That's the reason. If you are not seated secure in your salvation, you will always walk in condemnation because when you walk, learn to walk, you will fall. You fall. The child who learning to walk will fall. But the child who is learning to walk did not start from the floor. He started from the lap of the father or the mother. From the bosom of the father or the mother. They carried him, made him comfortable and made him loved and made him secure. Then held him by hand and said, walk like this, one step at a time, walk like this. So once we are seated and we are comforted and we are secure, secure, then God teaches us to walk. And we will learn to walk with conviction and not with condemnation, knowing that I know whose I am. I know I am safe in my salvation because my salvation is never and will never be because of my works. It is only by the work of Christ Jesus. And my Father is absolutely content and satisfied with that work and my entire trust in his work. Therefore, now I can learn to walk. And if I fail, I can go to him. There will be no condemnation. There will be only conviction that you failed. Now get up, hold my hand again, Lord. So you have sit and you have walk. And be learning to walk every day. How to walk alone. How to walk with a company of people. How to walk in your home. So Ephesians 5 will talk about the home. Wives, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. Teaching the wife how to walk. 
And then next, husbands, love your Christ, love your wife as Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself teaching how husbands to walk. In chapter 6, verse 1 onwards, you will see children obey your parents, teaching children how to walk. Then the slaves or the workers are told how to walk. Honors are told how to walk. Everybody is being taught how to walk, but you cannot learn to walk unless you have seated. Because workers will go on strike against, will try to kill the master. Why? Because he hasn't learned to sit with Christ and realize it doesn't matter how, if even if a tyrannical regime rules over me, my ultimate reward for eternity is coming from my heavenly master, not my earthly master. Because he's not seated there, he's not able to walk and work for his master. And the master, if he is a tyrant, because he is not seated with Christ and understand eternal judgment, he will also be tyrannical towards his workers because he was not seated. So everybody learns to walk only after sitting. And everybody has to learn to walk. And after this series about walking, when you come to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 onwards, suddenly it changes. 10 onwards, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. First thing, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why? Now something is going to change. Now it's not talking about sitting. Now it's not talking about walking. It's talking about something else. There is a shift taking place from 10 onwards. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now against the devil, we have to stand. Able to stand. Because if you don't stand, he will walk over you. He'll walk over you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And stand there. This word stand is used over and over and over and over again in chapter 6 from verse 10 onwards because we have to stand. And that's what the priests are called to do. The priest, the people are not called to stand in this episode. But in the new covenant, because we are all priests, every priest is called to stand. Every priest is called to stand. What do they have to do? They have to stand there. Okay, because between them and their inheritance flows a river. The river is a block. That's the river. That's the block. And that river is standing in their way. And the priests are called to go there and stand. The question is, will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stand? This is not ordinary stand. Let us go there. Okay. Verse 13. Yeah. And 15. 13 and 15. It shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off. The water shall come down 
that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of the harvest. You need to understand, our God, because of who he is, does not make necessarily things easy for us to believe him. If you look, if you look the ways of God through the Bible, we would prefer things were easy. But God doesn't make it easy because of who he is. So he, even when he picks a time for them to cross over, there are many seasons, but he has picked a time when Jordan is overflowing. Overflowing. It's like stretching, I don't know, maybe a mile or more. It's flooded. The simple question is, why couldn't you pick a season, Lord, when it was summer, when it was a small stream? You know, think about it. You know, but that's not how God does. God does. This is where faith comes. Okay? Because when it is a small trickle flowing, you don't need faith to cross over. You don't need faith to cross over. Sight is in Oh, I can handle this. I can handle this. Okay. So our faith is never going to get strengthened unless we're going to face trials which we cannot cross over in our own strength. It's not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. So God first picks them at a time, a season. The season he has picked. So when you are going through a difficult season, be careful. That season has been picked by God. And that may be the season you have to stand. It's easy to stand when the seasons are going for you. Like now, like I said, let's start from a family. If your wife is a seraphim and children are cherubims, it's easy for the father to stand there like an archangel. Okay, okay. You need to understand when Job stood, he stood when he had ten children who were drunks and a wife who cursed him and told him curse God and die and he stood alone. Okay, we need to understand. If you look, I'm looking at a family, okay? That's from where we move from family to office to community to all that kind of. So, that's what I said. <clears throat> Never judge a person. Leave it to God. Because you do not know the pressure the person is handling and standing under the, under that weight. God says, you want to judge him? Okay. Remember the story, the old story about the servant of the king who kept on saying, what is this king? What an easy life. You know what? He is simply eating and watching these dancers and all that. I wish I could become king for a one day. The king heard him and he said, okay. He said, <clears throat> from tonight onwards till tomorrow evening, you are king. Or whatever, that one day he said, you shall be king. It was all fine <laughs> for the fellow. He had a blast, he had drank and he this thing. And when it came to sleep, he was taken to the king's bed. And when he lay on the king's bed, when he looked up, he saw there was a huge sharp sword hanging on a thread. 
whole night he couldn't sleep because he was scared it would break and cut his head off. In the morning he said, I don't want to be a king, but look king, would you please answer me? What is this? He said, that is the life of a king because you know lives of others hang on the balance on his decisions. Okay, decisions. Okay. So we need to understand what God is talking about. Okay, we need to understand what God is talking about. We don't know how many, 4, 8, 15, 16, maybe they took turns. Nothing is mentioned clearly how many people, how many priests were there. But they are called. And that season that is picked is the worst season according to reason. But faith doesn't go with reason. Faith goes by believing God knows the best time in my life. The best time in my life may look to my reason, the worst season in my life. That if this is the season God has picked, this is the season that is for me. Okay. That's where reason becomes a block to faith. Because reason will pick the best season. Reason will pick the best man. But Bible says God has not called the wise, the rich, the noble, the strong, instead he has picked the poor, the weak, the ignoble, to confound the wise. So faith doesn't go with reason. And reason does not go with faith. So one of the first things is, you look at the timing. So therefore you have to be very, very careful. Any decision you take in life, including marriage, oh, this is the best season of my life, maybe go check with God. Is this reason you want to get me married? And then another season comes, you know what? The last thing I want to do is get married. I want to be bachelor forever. And then in the silence of the night says, the season has come for you to get married. Lord, you must be crazy. No, this is your season. Anything in life, be very careful. So many factors are there in life. But these factors should be determined by God and not by logic. Not by logic. Not by reason. It has to be determined by God. They are asked. The priests are asked. Season is the worst. Carry the ark on their shoulders. And they have to step into the water. The waters are flooded. They are not told. They stand by the back. And Joshua will come. He has got Moses' old rod. He will wave it like this. And the waters will separate and you cross over. Nothing like that. Because now they are being trained to be a community of faith. A community of faith. This is what I have been trying to constantly harp on. We have to become a community of believers. Not just a pastor is a believer and he's a man of faith and the rest of you will just follow him and you make a decision. Papu, you make a decision. Papu, you tell me. No, no, no. That's not walk of faith. You have to hear from God. Make your own decisions. So that if you look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, 8, 1 and then 3 and 4. Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So a persecution, Stephen is dead, and verse 3 and 4, uh, 4 and 5. Okay? He was creating havoc. Therefore, those, yeah, 
Four is enough, I guess. Those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. What happened? What happened? During the season, during the season, God had given them a season under the apostles. And apostles had been able to impart into them and it became a life of faith individually for everyone. Therefore, when persecution broke out and everybody was scattered, everybody went out as a witness and as a testimony of what they had heard and lived through. This is what happened in China, all these places. There was a season when the whites were in China before the culture of the revolution, Mao and all came in. There were missionaries and all. And you know, all these people were there. We know of their great histories and biographies we have read. And then the communists took over. And all the Christians were persecuted. Their properties were taken and they were scattered. And those who had learned to live the life of faith, you will realize, wherever they went, they went carrying the word with them. And that is how the church grew. Because it is not that we we, um, we sit around like a in a club and entertaining and enjoying ourselves. God says, no, each one has to learn to live personally the life of faith. The life of faith. So right now, a set of people, Young people, young priests of the second generation carrying the ark, they are told, it is flooded when you put your feet in. Not before. Not before. When you put your feet in. And now look at this. Okay? Verse 16. Joshua 3, 16. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. So the simple question is, Mose, think, Mose is, today is a holiday, he's in our midst, like his holiday, off day. Think about it, Mose. You stepped wherever they were crossing. Let us say they are crossing at Alwal. Crossing at Alwal. But the waters stopped at Samshabad. Will you see it here? You won't see it for a long time. As far as you're concerned, the water is still flowing. So they're stepping out by faith. Only on what God has spoken. God said, it will stand still. The waters will be separated. He said all these things. But as far as you know, you can't see anything. Don't think they... Um, put their feet at the edge and stood there. No, they are asked to stand in the middle of the river. Please understand very carefully. They are standing in the middle of the river where the monument will be put there and on the shore. They are not asked to stand in the edge of the river. They are asked to stand in the middle of the river. Yes, they stepped, but they cannot stop there. They have to keep moving. The people are all standing there at a distance. Everybody is watching. Everybody's eyes is on these priests. And their eyes are on the ark. What you see, actually you have to see it in your heart's eye. What you see is this priest carrying the ark, moving into the waters. 
fast. It is literally like the vision Ezekiel sees of the water flowing from the temple. First you go, it is your toes, your ankles, and then it starts rising, 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 rising. And now probably they are standing in the middle, chest high. But remember, if you get into water, the first thing you have, if you have freedom, is your hands. As long as you have hands, you know you can swim. But that is one part of their body they are not allowed to use because they have to hold the ark. You are entirely dependent upon God. Entirely dependent upon God. Just moving into the waters, holding the ark. Second, they cannot put the ark down. You know, this is always I have thought and seen like, as they are going further and further into the water, probably they are by, like, you know, it automatically happens. No, you're going on a scooter. You have gone through that barrier thousand times. Yet you put your head down. Like, no? So what they are doing is they are lifting the ark from far away. All the people ultimately can see is only the ark lifted up above the waters. This is what God is talking about. Ultimately, they need to see only Christ and Christ alone. Because that is the testimony of God. If it's my testimony and your testimony and ultimately not the testimony of Christ, people will be entertained, but they are not going to get strengthened, encouraged or imparted faith. Because it has to be faith in Christ, not faith in me. What they have to see is my faith in Christ, not my faith. My faith in Christ, what this God is able to do so that people would put their faith in Christ. That is the cloud of witnesses. Everyone's faith is in one particular person in Christ, in the living God. So they are standing there right in the middle. And all you can see is the... And then they experience something. And you can imagine the conversation. You will say, no, they are talking to you. Look, 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 look. There will be many Moses among them. No, Moses, 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 look, look. The water level is coming down. It's coming down. Now the water is coming down, it's 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 coming down. down. And they are watching. The flow from upstream has come lesser and lesser. And then finally they see it stopped. Completely stopped. They are looking. No more water. But that's not it. Look at, look at verse 17. Verse 17. Okay. And all Israel crossed over on. It is not that water stopped. If you ever been in a river and shallow rivers, you know it's absolutely soggy and muddy. Something else is happening. If you really know what happened, something else is happening. You know what? Now bubbles are coming. The water is sinking. After some time, the riverbed is getting dry. It is just, you need to understand what, that is what the Bible talks about. Exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or ask for. All they are hoping for is a little shallow water and we will cross over. God says you will walk on dry ground. What you are expecting and what God will do is beyond your expectation. That's why God says, never limit me by your unbelief. You do not know who I am. That's why these portions are so important. What's happening is the entire Riverbed they are going across becomes absolutely solid dry ground. Dry ground. And the Bible says Israel crossed over dry ground. Dry ground. 
we need to believe we need to believe in your personal life maybe you are a, you are a widow who's listening who's got children no and you are looking or you are somebody in the hospital listening you know you have to believe you know what my it's efficient to 20 right is yeah. yeah my this is my god this is my god you have to that is why no 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 exceedingly abundantly yeah? 320 yeah you know now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us you know for that power to work in us in us god looks only for one thing that is faith the word of god is able to work in those who believe those who believe there is power in us when the holy spirit came he came with all his power but the power cannot be released unless i believe that's where my will comes i believe i believe but faith doesn't come from your head because your head is saying these things won't the head is always trying to make things easy for god god as yes, we will cross over lord at least let it be only ankle okay ankle deep but knee deep is also okay we can cross over we are always trying to make things easy for god trying to make things easy for god is a sign of unbelief we don't really know who our god is that is why all this stuff is written in the bible every all this why are these things all written in the bible from genesis 1 onward is the record of who this god is in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth that should itself make us think for a year you can watch for the next 50 years national geographic channel and still not finish watching earth and the intricacies of earth and the bible says he just created it just like that okay and this this god we are always in our prayer trying to make it easy trying to make it easy and that's that's what we're talking about what did they, you think about rational reasonable people must be thinking lord okay um, joshua said this by the, you know how rumors go joshua said we are going to cross over and they said okay okay god will do something no he will make it like maybe shallow water so needy but instead they're walking across on dry ground dry ground walking across on dry ground you know like if you are in ill <laughs> in bed. what do we do oh i am bedridden lord i pray uh, at least i will sit up lord i'm praying one day at least i will be able to sit up why don't you believe you will run why don't you believe you will run what is impossible for man is possible if you can believe all things are possible all things are possible all things are possible i think it was in alexander one of the kings uh, court there was a one of the wise men counselors was a wise man was a poor man so he was in debt so he went to the king and said king i have a debt and i need to pay it off So the king said, "Okay, you go go to the treasury and ask." So he went to the treasury and he asked for a huge sum. The treasurer said, "I cannot. I cannot give it to you. I need mm, permission from the king. I cannot give that kind of amount." So the treasurer came to the king and said, "King said, what happened?" He said, "How much did he ask?" And he, sir, he asked for this huge amount. He said, "Give. He has done me glory. He has done me glory. 
has done me. It's an honor that he asked me. So he believes that is who I am. So when we are facing a crisis, okay, when we are asking God for shallow waters, when God wants to give us dry ground, okay, we are asking for shallow waters, and God says, you shall cross across on dry ground. So you need to realize the thing is that they crossed over. Now, we need to ask this question if you go to verse 16. And the people crossed over. The people crossed over. So you look at a set of people, a set of people holding the presence of the ark of the Lord and standing in the middle of the river. But while they are standing there in the middle over, what is happening on both sides? People are crossing over, are crossing over. We need to understand this is the funda foundational. When there are people who are standing, holding up the testimony of God, there are others who cross over. But if they don't stand, they won't cross over. They won't cross over. That's where Christ says, you will receive power. When you receive power, you shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses where? From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And because God for 2,000 years had witnesses at the ends of the earth, people have crossed over into the kingdom of God. From death to life. But if there aren't people willing to stand, others will not cross over. Others will not cross over. Because they were. And they look at verse 17. Powerful. The priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. Now think about it. See, their experience is different from the experience of the others. It's not the people. When they started, it was deep. Then the waters. Then muddy. Then wet. And then dry. Now firm ground. So the experience of the pioneers are always different from the experience of the followers. Of the followers. The followers are crossing on dry ground because they were people who are willing to risk their life and go into the river of death. I can share in the sufferings of Christ, but I will never know what was the sufferings of Christ on the cross. I will never know what he... I can share in different aspects of the sufferings of Christ, but what was his actual suffering, we will never know. We will never know. Why? Because he is the actual one who stood there. Because therefore we could cross over. So they are standing. And then the second question, the thing is that, and how long did they stand there? Until all the people have crossed completely over the Jordan. How long will you stand there is the question. If you are called, if you are a leader, called to stand. If you are a father, called to stand. If you are a mother, called to stand. How long will you stand? You have to say, Lord, I will stand until the last child crosses over. The last sheep crosses over. I will stand. I will stand. Because why? We are talking about souls here. Souls here. See, the people who are carrying the ark were the first to get in and the last to get out. 
Remember that captain of that Korean ship in which so many children died was uh, um, sent to prison because he quit the boat. You see, there is this saying in English, the captain dies with the ship. The captain is the last person. When a ship is sinking, he's the last person to step out. Why? He has to see because the safety of everybody is entrusted to him. That's when he signed the paper. You think it is a rank. We don't know the responsibility. The entire passengers, the entire people in that ship, their lives are in his hands. And when it capsizes, he's the last one. He has to see that he saves as many. And if there are few left and the ship is going down, he goes down with the ship. He's going. So these are the ones who are standing there last standing there last. So please keep this, this. So we need to understand what was the purpose of sanctification? The purpose of sanctification is to cross over into the land of promises. Because in religion, purpose of sanctification is sanctification. Sanctification for sanctification. But in Christianity, sanctification has a larger purpose. You become holy so that you can be conformed to the image of, you can partake of the very life of God. In religion, no. Religion, that is not the issue. Religion, sanctification is for the sake of sanctification. But in kingdom of God, sanctification's purpose is so that we partake of the life, we cross over, because on the other side is the life of Christ. In the new covenant, it is a promised life for them. It is a promised land. So we are sanctifying ourselves so that we have the promised life in increasing measure and we become more and more effective and powerful witnesses. Because if a young man cleanses himself, he shall become a vessel of honor in the hands of the master. The hands of the master. That is the whole idea. Okay, it is not just being a clean glass and kept on the shelf. No, it is be- becoming a clean glass so that I can be used to the maximum. Because that's not how the world operates. The world operates, we put away all those things away, far away. God, no, he says, the more sanctified, the more I will use you. The more I will use you. The more effective you will be. The more effective you will be. And therefore, what is happening, the purpose of sanctification is for them to cross over. Now, the question is this. Now we have learned to cross over, or we are crossing over, please, of this. Every step we draw close to God. Okay? Understand about sanctification. This process in the new covenant, because Old covenant are all pictures of land and people and therefore they cross over at a particular time. But for us it is not that. This sanctification and crossing over is a constant process. We never finish this work of sanctification until we die. Until we die. Okay? Until we die. If you look at Stephen, let me ask you this question. How does Stephen die? What are his last words when he dies? Don't lay this charge against them. So even at this last moment, there is a process of sanctification. Die forgiving. 
die forgiving don't die holding a grudge die forgiving so this sanctification process was continues till the end of our life end of our life okay so in uh, james 4:8 james will say draw near to god and he will draw near to you draw near to god and he will draw near to you so every time we get closer to god there are things that will happen first are our acts he will show you no your acts were not right what you did sometimes what you did is right but how you did was not right okay how you did was right what you did is right like you know we have i used to tell the children who wash the cups i'll tell them when you wash the cups here you put it down upside down don't hang it sideways put it upside down the reason is because our water is hard water if you leave it like that after some time the water will collect and dry and you'll have crust of salt over there so learn to put it upside down so all as much water as possible can drain off in our homes what we do is that we immediately use a dishcloth and we dry it off so that so what you did was right but what you how you did it was not perfect So that's talking about hands. Hands always denote our work. Cleanse your hands. Okay? So that's what we are talking about. Am I preaching? Yes. How long have I been preaching for donkey's years? But the more you go to God, the more he is he is teaching you how to preach better. Better is not eloquence, better is not wisdom, better is not knowledge, better is to become like him. That is better. God has only one standard. His standard is his son. So he will say, look to my son. Become like my son. That is the standard. So the simple question to ask is, how can I do better? No. Simple question like all of the children read is, how would Jesus do? How would Jesus do? that is exactly what god wants to if jesus were to preach from here this same message how will he preach see that is the only that's what i was telling yesterday sometimes you are preached well and you feel the anointing and you feel people have heard you will know that people has been imparted but when you step down suddenly the holy spirit will say in this portion of your message in this line you were not true to my son and it could be just an inflection in your voice So we are not competing with anybody we are just trying to honestly every day lord make me more like you this is what sanctification is talking about your hands purify your hearts the bible talks about the word of god is like a double edged sword like the sword of the spirit where it shows you even the intents and thought it divides the soul and the spirit soul and the spirit only god can show it see this is not condemnation this is for rewards god will say you know what i am showing you these days because this is the cri- see if you go for a competition go for a competition one of the things you want to know for the competition is what is the yardstick of judging right you want to know you we are cricket crazy oops we are cricket cricket crazy people right now you know how many options have come in even international cricket to see that you have a chance to sh- be sure you were not out first is only third umpire 
Okay, now along with that, third empire also before TV came in, he also was not sure unless he was watching. Now so many cameras and so many, and then the sound comes, and the sound will so that that sneak, ah, it was sneak, that sneak. Okay, it touched his bat. So suddenly, you know what? The batsman who is batting over there has says the yardstick of judgment has changed. Has changed. Now you can be more sure you were correct and you were not wrong. Or you were wrong and not correct. So all this is only connected with rewards. This is not connected with condemnation. Because this is written to people who are saved. Who are saved. Okay. So your hands, your hearts, check the motives of your heart. You could do the exact, your prayer could be fantastic. Every word in it is scriptural. Every desire is right, but your motive is wrong. You ask, but you do not receive because you ask to spend it upon yourself. Okay. Spend it upon yourself. And when you teach in conventions, we, I tell wives, your husband is alcoholic. And you're always coming and crying and praying. And you're saying, God is not answering my prayer. My, my question to you is, if God answers your prayer, what will you do? Ask yourself, go ask yourself a question. In one year's time, you'd say, today God answered your prayer. But till God answers your prayer, you have never missed church. You are faithful in your giving. Every fasting you are there. Tears are pouring down. You are crying out all that. If your husband gets saved, will you be like that still? And I said, from experience, I can tell you, wherever God has answered prayers of people like that, one month, two months later, they are nowhere to be seen. They get a job, they get money, slowly they are gone. So what happened? Your prayer was right. God wants to give you a good job. God wants to prosper you. But your motive was that you received it and you spent it upon yourself. Now you are no longer there in the house of God. That's exactly what I asked Ma last night. I said, how many boys did you raise in this place? How much money and energy and time did you pour it? Now do you know to set up the church, there is nobody, where are they? Where are they? Church will still continue. But the problem is among all the people in the church, into this was the most invested. But where are they? They have no time now. They have no time now. When people who have jobs and who work, they are all there volunteering and according to that, they are coming and doing this. Where are all the students? Ask this question. Ask this question. What happened? What happened? We need to realize, we need to judge our own hearts. If God were to really answer all my prayers, would my heart be still be stayed on Him? A simple question. And then we come to our mind. Our mind is double. God wants us to give us a single mind, a double mind. God and world, God and world, God and world. No, single mind. It is God. It is God. It is about God for the people. It is not about the people. It is about God. Get this very right. Otherwise, what is happened? It is about people. Then has the people change? You will keep changing with the people because it was never about God. It was about people. That's why we have so many seeker-friendly churches because it was never about the people. It was about God. But if it is about God and for the people, it is about God. 
but it is for the people. So we have to be very, very sure about these things as we move forward. What am I doing? Where am I standing? But the thing is that you need to realize. Joshua? First it is Joshua. He's the man who hears. They already said, only one thing we tell you. Whatever you say, we will do. And if anybody disobeys you, we'll kill him. All we say that God, we should be, as God was with Moses, God should be with you. Okay, first commandment from Joshua. Sanctify yourself. For we are going to cross. Everybody is busy sanctifying, whichever Old Testament. We are busy carefully because excited we are going to cross over. This is what our fathers had prophesied that day the hour has come. Sanctified yourself. Honestly, let me tell you, if we have that idea, we are going to cross over. Any day death is going to come and we are going to that place Jesus said he's preparing. Eyes haven't seen or ears. If that excitement were there, we will be so crazy about our sanctification. If you know where we were going. Okay, we would be so crazy about that sanctification for which saints have been waiting and waiting and waiting. 2,000 years saints are waiting. They have not been perfected because they will be perfected only with us. So you need to realize behind everything, the motive matters. Okay, And then Joshua said, everybody is busy sanctifying. And the next day he comes and says, you, 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 you are selected. For what? Carry the ark. Oh, hallelujah. We are going to carry the ark. But you will go first. You will go first. You will go first. You will go first. And what else will part? No. You'll get into the water. God has said, after you get into the water, the water will separate. So now, it is dependent on these people they have to believe. They have to believe. Joshua has believed. Now Joshua is telling somebody else. And the question is, do you believe? That is why Jesus was so fascinated by the faith of the centurion. Centurion said, you know what? I understand how it works. When I say a man to go, he goes. When I tell a man to come, when to come. Because you know what? He believes what I say. I believe what you say. You don't have to come. You just have to say Joshua has believed. Now the question is, will these eight people or sixteen people, I don't know how many people, will they believe? Will they believe? Will you be able to, will I and you be able to stand on the faith of God? On the faith of God. You have to trust God before the fact actually happens. That is faith. See, when Moses was there, crossing was very easy because the water separated. Moses stood there, the east wind came, it separated, made everything dry, and they crossed. But God says that was a different generation. This generation, I'm going to teach you all how to walk by faith. Nothing is going to separate. You have to get into the water now. Get into the water. That is faith. Because if you see and you cross over, that is sight. But if you don't see, and start getting into the water, and then the water starts settling down, and then drying up, and a way is made for you, then that is faith. Faith cannot be mere words. That's what James meant in 2.18. Cannot be mere words. 2.18 he says, when someone will say, you have faith, and I have works, 
show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works and let us put a number 8 eight priests are chosen to show their faith by their works you will step into the water you will go and you will stand and god has said far away the water shall stop far away the water shall stand needs to realize it is written very clearly in verse 13 313 Joshua 313 it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the lord the lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the jordan that the waters of the jordan shall after it comes to rest in the waters not before not before that is your work of faith do you believe what i have said then get into the waters do you believe that that in every situation with god that is the most difficult part once you cross there see continuing the church is not what is difficult it is starting the church that was what my struggle with one thing with my god was that i always said i like what i am doing with you for you by you all that but don't call me to be a pastor i know what it is i have seen so many pastors in my life i know you call me to an apostle i'll be an apostle prophet i'll be prophet evangelist i will be teacher i'll be teacher don't call me to be a pastor because i know what it is to be a pastor i have seen pastors and their homes their lives being absolutely totally messed up because you're carrying a burden of souls sheep i don't want to be but that's what he called you to be starting was not easy because one your background from where you were coming two when you started you had nothing you had no people you had no money you had no place everybody when they want to start a church they want place they want people they want money they want sound system they want chairs we had nothing and the question is will you start so that day 15 years ago that day i told my children they asked me on saturday papu tomorrow where are we going to church i said home who will be there i said you and the maid we are starting tomorrow set the front room get the song books and i'm going to preach and have a small recorder <laughs> and i shall record the message because he also said record the messages when you don't have a hall when you don't have a congregation when you don't have anything he said record now you need to realize from the first message except one message did not the recording went wrong every message was recorded without a congregation so starting is is what matters that crossing that rubicon okay can you cross? after that you will realize you know the waters are coming down okay little later calls started coming coming pastor pastor there is brother james they didn't call me pastor wouldn't i mean they call me pastor some call me pastor some call me brother james. it didn't matter even till today the people who call me bj and pj i'm good with it it does not matter okay pastor here brother there brother here no pastor there so it's all okay where are you meeting i said meeting 
my home. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Suddenly Sunday morning you have fever. We preached. God snacks. If you listen to the, until it was removed, I think at the end of the message, I'm telling Purnima, don't forget to give the snacks all there because this thing I forgot it was recorded over. So the first meeting of the church is quite interesting and quite fun. That's where it started. But that was a difficult part. And then second week, suddenly you hear from God again saying, you shall not go out. The hall will come to you. How do halls come to you? You go checking around for halls. Right? Second week, the hall came to me. By Thursday, I had the hall at Golden Rose. You need to realize what is happening. The waters are coming down. Coming down. Third week, we had a small sound system. Okay? Waters are coming down. Slowly, it's, it didn't, see, it didn't, it's not that the priest got in and the water suddenly went and it's all dry. No, it took time. Time. It took time. Whatever a period of time, suddenly things started changing. Okay? But it is the first step, which is a difficult step. You can talk as much as you want. The prodigal son can have fantastic theory in his mind. This is my father's house. Even the hired servants eat very well. I know my father is very kind. I made a mistake. I will arise and I will go to him. And he continues eating with the pigs. He's not going anywhere. The Bible says he arose. He arose. He arose. When we reach heaven, we'll hear the testimony of the the first two priests who put their feet in. What was in their mind? Their hearts. <laughs> what it was like. I gave you one little testimony of yesterday. Like, no, you have these soldiers in camouflage with their guns, all getting in and checking everybody, and you are standing there, and your eyes on your suitcase, Lord. And you wouldn't even believe. That second, I forgot about the other part of it. I'm traveling, okay? I'm traveling, and uh, I'm going to a place, but first I have to travel by train. My train is in the evening or something. At around 12 o'clock, I get a call. The call says, Pastor James, the Lord has put this in my heart to give this much money for the underground church. I said, yes. Can you come? I said, where? Can you come to this place, to this bank? I said, okay, I will come. I'm looking at the time because banks will close. I need to catch my train. I rushed, took an auto or scooter, went over there. The person came, went to the bank, gave the check, took there for 20, 30 minutes. I'm looking at the time. Time is running out. Time is running out. Time is running out. And finally, the teller came and gave the money. And I said, thank you. And I'm rushing home because I have to catch up. This is the money I'm carrying. The money came in the last minute. And then this money is all hidden at the bottom of the suitcase. <laughs> and there you are starting. You need to realize the palpitations of the priests who are carrying the ark. <laughs> Everybody is crossing over. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You don't know their, what they went through. What they went through. Okay, so we need to understand. What are we called to do? We are called to stand. We can't sit down. We sit down with Christ. We walk with people. But with the powers of darkness, you don't sit. You don't walk. You stand. How long do you stand? Until the last man has crossed over. 
until the last man has crossed over. And to those who are called to stand, it is not easy. And the standing can be different ways and different times of your life for different people. But each one has to take a stand before he can stand. You cannot take a stand for something unless you have taken a stand for something now. The problem is people are not standing. is because people are hearing, but conviction is not taking place for them to take a stand when the day and the hour comes. That is what the teaching. Jesus came not only with grace. He came with truth. Why do you need grace? You need grace to stand for the truth. This is what is true. I have heard it. I have seen it. I have understood it. Now, Lord, give me the grace to stand for the truth. Like I said, 12 chapters of the book of Daniel will not be there if Daniel is not taking a stand in a dining room of the King's University. The place is the most, we won't even think about, here is a man, young man, 17 or 18 year old teenager, he's taking a stand. He's purposed in his heart, I will not defile myself. Now he cannot take a stand on that day if he did not have deep-rooted conviction in his former days. But he did not realize these convictions is going to cause him to make a stand that may cause him his head. But he took a stand. He took a stand. That's what we need to realize. He took a, And because one man took a stand... Three others also stood with him and took the same stand. You have the rest of the chapters in the Bible. Where there are not people in the kingdom of God who take stands, the rest of the history is different. This God's history cannot be continued because people don't take a stand. The history of Christ is continuous only in the lives and because of the lives of the people who take a stand. A little later, these three men are there. Daniel is not there. They take a stand. Because what is, if you look at chapter 3 of Daniel and verse 15 and then till 18. It shall come to, yeah, Daniel 3. If you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. If you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? This is the edict. Everybody has to bow down. Three men say we stand. There are ideas before which we are called to bow down. There are dispensations that are rising everywhere where before whom we are called to bow down. And three men decided to stand. So you need to understand, these three men will not be able to stand if this priest, hundreds of years earlier, had not taken their stand. Their forefathers crossed over. Because Abel took a stand of faith and Enoch took a stand of faith. That is why our faith is built on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Because in their lifetime, when they had to make a decision, they stood. They stood. That's what the Bible says. The priest stood there on firm ground until the last man has crossed over. Because you need to realize, if they had not made a stand over a small thing and compromise, when the big thing comes, you will compromise, you will not stand. And now they are standing. But they are very clear about why they are standing. 
If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They are very clear. He says, you know what? We have our deep conviction. Our God is a holy God, the only real and true God. There are many gods around in this world. If we want... Our God can serve, save us from the blood. But even if he doesn't, that is up to him. We have made our stand. We will not bow. Live or die is in his hand. Life and death is in his hands. But our conviction is very clear. We stand, we don't bow. All around the world, you need to realize, dispensations are rising up, using every power in their hands to make people bow down. Bow down everywhere. Bow down. Intimidation. Using force. So much force to bow down. If you bow down, you can go. You're good. The system is with you. You don't bow down, the system will come after you. You're supposed to be free countries. If you speak anything against COVID, they will take you out of YouTube. If you speak anything about the election, they will take you out of YouTube. Bow down. This is our condition. You want to speak? You can speak. But you will bow down. So we are careful because we don't want to be taken down. Because COVID is behind us. Election is behind us. We don't. It doesn't bother us anymore. But we are thinking about the kingdom of God. So when it comes to things about the kingdom, you need to realize. Why are you taking a stand? For whom are you taking a stand? This is not expediency. Yes, I can take a stand. Why? Because my God will deliver me from the fire. No, he may not. There are women who got their dead back to life. Others did not. But both took a stand. Faith has two stands. God may, God may not. But I know where I stand. I stand with him. If your faith is only when God is for me in this, he's going to deliver me, he's going to prosper me, he's going to heal me, he's going to do all these things for me, therefore I stand with him. That is not faith, that is expediency. It's expediency. Because the things that you see are temporal and passing away. Things that you do not see are eternal. When you take a stand, you are taking a stand that is for eternal. Truth is eternal. It will never change because truth is God, is truth. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. Therefore, you take a stand. Take a stand. That's what the Bible is talking about. If these three men had not stood, we wouldn't have a story. Would you have a story? Think about it. Would we have a story? Read through the Bible. <laughs> because people need to be very sure. People, We need to be people of... Con- what are you standing for? A lot of people know what they are against. They don't know what they are for. What are you against? What are you for? Be very, very careful. I am for God. I am not for people. I am for people who follow their God. Okay? One nation under God. Okay? When a nation divorces itself from God, 
then I am not for that people. Because wherever my, my divorcee God goes, I go with him. Because God gave a bill of divorce to Israel also. And be careful, God doesn't give a bill of divorce to America too. We are not, we are kind, compassionate, loving, but we are for God. We are not against people, but we are for God. Be very, very careful. Because if you put people first, you will realize how fickle people are. You want to understand the most powerful literary piece about the fickleness of people is how Brutus comes and speaks to the crowd. And they all talk, shout and scream to Brutus. And then Mark Antony gets permission, please, we are all his friends, he's dead. I'm very careful, I will not speak anything good about Caesar. So please, an eulogy has to be spoken over his dead body. So please, and so I say, on that condition, you will not speak anything good again about Caesar and turn the people against us and Mark Antony comes and he speaks to the same crowd the most famous speech in literature friends, Romans, countrymen I have not come here to praise Caesar and then it is tongue in cheek every word he talks about and these people are all of course honorable men Honorable man. And this is what Caesar did. He doesn't, this is what Caesar did. But these people are honorable. These people, people say this about Caesar. And they are all honorable men. But this is what Caesar did. But these people say he didn't do that. And they are all honorable. By the time his speech is over, the entire crowd wants to kill Brutus and the rest. So how can you put your trust on people? People are fickle. You can only put trust in the people who have sold themselves over to Christ. That's what he says. If any man chooses to come after me. Even Jesus refused only, you see, even he waited in John chapter 11, waited for Judas to leave. And after that, he opened his heart. He is now commissioning them, actually committing the church in the hands of the 11 people who stayed back. These people have counted the cost and stood with me till the end. You can be trusted. Now here, I commit the gospel into your hands. That is how it works. We need to be very careful. Who are we standing with? I'm standing with God for people. I'm not standing with people for people. No, I'm standing with God. Always standing with God. And when people move away from God, I keep standing with God. You have to be very careful about this because people, you need to realize, you know what? A lot of people have moved away along with the people. So no, gay marriages is acceptable in the church, transgender is acceptable, and all use, not God, love. We are trying to be very loving. No, you're not being very loving. You're being very unkind. You're not being loving to them at all. You don't have to be harsh. You don't have to, but you have to tell the truth. If a doctor doesn't tell you the truth, he's not a good doctor. <laughs> Imagine I have a serious sickness and go to Dr. Richard and Dr. Richard is so kind and compassionate and says, Pastor James, you have nothing at all. You will be fine and six days later I die. And what did he say? The Bible said, no, but no, Pastor James died, but Dr. Richard was very kind. <laughs> said, oh, no. <laughs> Thank you, man. We have that saying in India, right? No, operation successful, but patient is dead. How was the operation? Fantastic. Oh, patient is good. No, patient died. You know? Patient died. You know? 
So we need to understand, what are you standing for? <coughs> Will you stand? Will you stand? You know what? Go to the book of Esther. Read chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 5. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamedatha the Agatite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. And Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, and Haman was filled with wrath. Let me tell you, twelve chapters of Daniel because one man took a stand in a dining room. Ten chapters of the book of Esther because one man refused to bow. If Mordecai bows, the book of Esther is not there. It's not there. The entire book of Mordecai revolves around one man who refused to bow. He took a stand. And because he refused to bow, the girl one day will take a stand. But if he had bowed, she would not stand. You need to realize, when we bow, others don't stand. That's what the Bible is saying. The priest stood there in the middle of the river until the last person. What is it saying? They are taking a stand. Because if they cross over, the waters will come back. And half the crowd is on the other side. So there are people who are called to stand. Actually, all of us are called to stand. Because you don't know the names that have been written against your name. Those you have to cross over because they see you standing. Standing? No. She's, this is what happened to me in class 10 in Kerala, okay? Uh, this thing started, no? This class 10, the tails come out, no? Because you're the senior class. One fellow started over saying, take this button off. Everybody took the first button off. The teacher came in, put your buttons off. Okay? Everybody put. Next day, again, button is off. Put your button off. Everybody. Third day, they all took their, cut their buttons off. Okay. Principal's office. I didn't want to do it, but you know, in a morph psychology, you, you ended up doing it. If you don't do it, they will come and take a button off. Ended up this thing. So principal gave us. I can still remember. I don't know whether you remember class 10 principal's name. My name was Babu Judson. I can still remember his name. He gave us the left, right, center. Then as we are leaving, he told me, you stay back. And I was wondering, why is he trying? You stay back. Who is your father? <laughs> my father, my father is a principal. <laughs> so you being a principal's son in a school could not take a stand. That's a question God is asking us. Whose son are you? Whose children are you? Can't you take a stand for your father? This is who your father is. This is what your father did for you through his son. Can you take a stand? One man took a stand. One man took a stand. Go to 4, verse 16, and then 5, 1 and 2. So, the news comes to the girl. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan. Fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. So I will go to the king, which is against the law. If I perish, I perish. 
So the girl also now takes a stand. What he says, before we take a stand, we need spiritual strength. We'll all fast. We'll all fast. We're going to pray, tell everybody to fast and pray for three days. And after three days, I will go to the king. If you go to first one. So it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes, robes and stood. She's taking a stand to save her people. Everything, our life is hanging on the balance. If the king stretches the scepter, she's good. If the king does not stretch the scepter, like in old days, they'll put a black cloth over her and take her away from there. That's it. Her life is over. But she's taking a stand. Why? Not for her. For the sake of her people. Okay. You have been chosen. You have been selected. You have risen to the top. Whichever way, in position, in wealth, in so many things, God prospers his people. But when he God prospers the people, when the day comes, will you take a stand for the sake of God's people who don't have your privilege? And you have that privilege. It may cost you a life, but will you take a stand? This is how decisions are made about God and his people. Only two things. Like I keep telling only three things in my life. My God, my family, my church, beyond that, no interest. And for each, you have to take a stand. And you have to take a stand against the world. And a stand for these three. My God, my home, my church. I've taken a stand for it. And taken a stand against the world. Wherever the world agrees with the word of God, I go with it. Wherever it disagrees, I don't care two hoots. I'm not part of you. I'm in the world. I am not part of it. The question is, have you taken a stand? In Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, God says, he looked for one man. Yeah, 22, 20, I think. No. Mm, mm, mm. 30, 30, 30, not 20, 30, 30, 22, 30. I stood for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap for me on behalf of the land. Be very careful. I looked for a man who would stand in the gap first before me. Two, for the sake of the people. There are two categories here. First is before. You cannot just stand in the gap in the wall for the people. And if you're not before God, they will crush you down. There are a lot of people who did it for people. They're all gone. It was an ideology. We are not doing an ideology. We are talking for God. He will stand before me on behalf of the people. You have to take a stand. It is not people first. It is God first. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength, with all your soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. What is that what you want your neighbor want? I want the my neighbor to experience the same liberty that I'm experiencing therefore. And this liberty is God's divine right for me. It is God who gave me that divine So I'm standing before him and I'm standing before the people. What do you want for the people? The same liberty. Same liberty. Because you cannot stand for the people for what something which you don't appreciate. You don't experience. So you, you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. So the question to ask is, what is that I love about myself? The most valuable thing in my life is the liberty God has given me. Therefore, I want that liberty for that same people. Stand by faith and you will see what God is able to do. That liberty that faith brings, faith in God brings. That's what we're talking about. And I found no one. 
So when God found no one, God became that man. So we need to realize everything that we are experiencing today is because God became man. On the cross, he took a stand. That's why it says he's making intercession. How long will Jesus pray? Jesus prayed on the cross, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. You know that, that prayer has never stopped for 2000 years. He will never stop interceding until the last man has crossed. He's still standing. He's still standing. His work of a priest is never going to end until the last man has crossed over. So those priests who are standing in the middle of the river represents Jesus Christ. Because they are the first ones to get in. And they are the last ones to get out. When they got in, they were legs, feet, then they were wet. Probably chest high wet. And then after that, the ground became dry and it probably became dusty. Thousands and thousands of people and cattle and flocks. If you had seen them, you would have seen them. They are covered with dust and dirt from top and they are holding the ark up. The question is, you need to realize, you will get tired. That's why we keep going back to God. Renew my strength. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. No man can hold your testimony all his life without your strength. It is not possible. This can be done only with your strength, Lord. Lord, I am tired holding up your testimony. I need strength to hold it up. But you cannot bring it down. Whether there is water or whether it is dry, the ark can be carried only on the shoulders of God's people. Even God's favorite son, David, made a mistake and a person died. And then David called the Levites and shouted at them and said, didn't you know the ark has to be carried on the shoulders of God's Levites, prescribed Levites? Why didn't you tell me? It cannot be carried any other way. Shoulders is the strongest part of your body. It is on the shoulders we carry the weight. God says the strongest part of you is your shoulders. You know what? You have to lend me your shoulders so that you can carry my testimony. Carry my testimony. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Jesus became that man. And everywhere you need to realize there were people who took a choice to stand. Then Goliath comes and everybody is fleeing and hiding. One young boy comes and takes a stand. And the stand he's taking is because of God and because of the people. He's looking at the people, veteran soldiers, hardened soldiers running in fear. And he looks at the giant. But his eyes are on God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he dare defy the armies of the living God? He's taking a stand. Sometimes you do not realize our words will tell us whether we are taking a stand or not. Our words are the words such that signify what is a stand I have. And then comes the action. The action, he goes to the king and says, I will fight him. I will fight him. Every place in the Bible you look, there are people taking a stand. There is an edict brought out by the king. Nobody shall perform. The king is flattered and fooled. A law is passed against one man. A entire law is passed against one man. All the laws that are changed, ancient laws that are being changed around the world, is being changed against one set of people, the believing church. Like Haman changed the king's decree to destroy the Jews, all the laws being changed is against only one set of people. The people who believe in the inerrancy of the word of God, the laws are being changed. Why do you have to legalize homosexual marriages? For the sake of the church. 
Because the only entity that stands against it is the believing. Why do you have to make transgender all these things, normalize everything? For what is it being done again? For whom? And God will allow it to happen to see who will take a stand. Who will take a stand? Who will take a stand? So we cannot have one stand on gay marriage and another stand on abortion. Abortion is okay. This, this I, I personally don't like it, so I'm against this. But I have no issues with it. No. Your, your stand is not consistent with God. Your stand is about yourself and your preferences. It is not about God. When you stand with God, you stand against everything God is against. That is where churches have gone wrong. They were not standing with God. They were standing with the people. So they realize, our church, there are so many women and so many young girls and they're all getting pregnant and we'll, we won't take a stand against abortion. But we'll say stand against homosexuality. Oh, your stand was not about God. It was about you and your preferences. Be very careful. What are the stands we are taking? Because what you stand for will stand for you on that day in heaven. And the question also is, how long will you stand? How long will you stand? <laughs> the whole world is changing. The whole world is crossing over on the other side. Israel was crossing over from the wilderness into the promised land. But the whole world is crossing from the promised land into the wilderness, into a dark, dreary world. And as they are crossing over, their value system is changing. Absolutes are all changing. The question is, will you still stand even if no one is crossing over onto the right side? Will you still stand alone with your convictions? That's the question. No. If your only motivation was people to cross over, then you can change your stand. That is what happened in the world. People change their stand. So let people... No, they're not actually crossing over. They're going the reverse way. Be very careful what you're standing for. So that's what the Bible says. When the entire edit of the land for 30 days was changed for the sake of one man, the Bible says when it was changed, when Daniel heard the edit had been passed, he went to his room. He's opened his windows towards Jerusalem and he prayed. Because the edit was against one man to stop him from praying and he prayed. UK has laws where you cannot be 150 yards near an abortion clinic and even pray in your mind. The cops will come and ask you, what are you doing? I am praying. They will arrest you. Can't even pray in your mind. Think about artificial intelligence coming to a point where the system or the machines can tell what you are thinking. Will you stop thinking right? Don't go with Elon Musk. Like I tell you, I won't. I, the last man I trust. Cause when the mark of the beast comes, which everybody should take. Be, be, be very sure, behind the mark which will become universal, Elon Musk company will be there. So don't go with public this thing. Don't put your trust in any people. Be very, very careful about technology. The question is, we don't know what AI can do, how far it can progress. 
will ai come when you is like the doctors know when they put all those the when they do that ecg all the clip everything and then the machine start reading something that is again inside you can ai go to the point where it can read your thoughts they're able to they're able to look into your mind and know what you are standing for will you still stand yeah can you yeah stand that how do you get your ads on your ads on your youtube because they are looking at your pattern i wonder how do they how did this pop up all these preachers on my screen because they listen these are the messages you are listening to <laughs> you buy it two days or three days from amazon immediately they will say they start giving you options because they know this is what it's all you know so there is your history ask us this question hmm? can you stand will we stand because history is full of people who took a stand as we close go to second samuel 23 verse 8 to 12 these are the names of the mighty men whom david had Joshe Basebet the Tacomite chief among the captains he was called Adino because he had killed 800 men at one time you know what he stood alone after him was Elias the son of Dodo the Ahite one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there and the men of Israel had retreated he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword and lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder think about these people they stood alone all the others retreated now we had given actual war pictures in israel's history telling us one man when there was an enemy coming everybody ran away nobody wanted to stand with this idea or this principle or this truth they all ran away they all compromised but one man stood there and fought alone and after him was shamma the son of agi the hararite the philistine gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils so the people fled from philistines but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the philistine so the lord brought you know why each time god brought a great victory because one man took a stand These are pictures in the Bible when one man takes a step of faith believing in his God and says you know what this is what I believe in because this is what God has said I'm going to take my stand and God gives a victory but unless you take a stand you wouldn't even know God can give a victory take a stand the final two verses for today Matthew 9:20 and then 14:36 Suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from the behind and touched the hem of his garment. You need to realize it was not easy for this woman. Everything in her system is against her. One she's poor, second she's weak, third she's ill, fourth she's a woman, fifth she has a uncleanness by which she is not supposed to the law says. So all oh, and the crowd, so many everything is against her. Nothing is for her. But she took a stand that Jesus heals. So she put through all these blocks and came and touched the hem of his robe and she was healed. Now we go to Matthew 
and verse 36, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Because one woman, a simple poor woman, took a stand of faith. So many others crossed over. So many others crossed over. Did you see how all they were made well? Because they saw and they heard what she did. So her stand caused so many people to cross over. So you need to realize faith is always honored by God. And one person's faith may cause so many people to cross over. It can be somebody, it can be a person, three, eight priests holding an ark. It can be a mighty person like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. It could be a poor woman who was ill and by faith went there and touched the hem of his robe and Jesus made her testify and after that it is spreading like wildfire. You know what? All we need to do is by faith touch the hem of his robe, we shall be healed. But where did it happen? Because one woman took her stand. That's what. Now let me tell you, as I close, let me tell you something. It is easy to take a stand when you know the outcome. But what if you do not know the outcome? The question is, is your stand true? Don't look at the outcome. Look at the outcome. If you will only look at it, Take a stand. If you know the outcome, then I have the word of God. Let the priests put their feet in. The waters will be stopped. It will separate. Wow, I want to take a stand. No. But what if he doesn't say? That's where, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 33 onwards. Very powerful verses, 33 onwards. And we will pray. Through faith subdued kingdoms. But what if through faith kingdoms subdue you? Worked righteousness. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouth of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. Then the narrative changes. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Why? Because they took a stand. I don't want deliverance at this price. Then my stand is useless. If Daniel says, okay, 30 days I will not pray, then why did you pray all these years? All your years of prayer is gone waste. All the righteousness you acquired in your bank account is wasted because you made a decision, I won't pray for 30 days. After 31st day, I will start praying. Instead of three, I will pray six times and make up for that 30 days. The next 30 days, I will pray for six times a day. He says, you know what? You, your stand did, does not matter. Women received their dead back. Others did not receive. They accepted what torture instead of deliverance. But they always knew there is something else on the other side. There is a time and a place where there are rewards. And the entire section after that is talking about the stand. Others had trials of mocking, scourgings, chains, imprisonment, stoned, sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword, all this. So there are two sides. So be very careful. Your stand is not expediency. I'm standing with a God who is a God of prosperity. 
I'm standing with this God because the God who heals. I'm standing with this God because brings victory in any situations. But you don't know what victory means. Are you talking about temporal or eternal? You can win temporally and lose eternally. And you can lose temporally and win eternally. That's where Revelation 21, 7 says, He who overcomes inherits all. So yesterday we saw about sanctification. We saw about following after the ark, which was the presence of God. And then today we are taking is that people crossed over. Why did people cross over? Because there was a set of people who stood there from the beginning till the end and stood. And that's what God is asking. Whatever profession you are got in, whichever company you are working, from the beginning till the end, stand. Stand. Till the end, stand. When I, when I joined that college in that country, basically to work with the underground church, the first thing I told my principal is that, sir, uh, I don't take extra classes on Sundays. And I know your college party is whenever you have it on a Sunday evening. I don't come for parties on a Sunday evening. He said, why, Mr. James? Why? I said, sir, uh, that's my conviction. Because you cannot say what you have come here. That's my conviction. I don't do any of those stuff on a Sunday. I promise you, I will ex- take extra classes if needed on Saturdays, Saturday, Saturday, half day, school, college is there, and half day. I'll do everything till Saturday. Sunday, you won't get me. He said, okay, okay, okay. From the beginning till the end, that was my pattern. You know why? Because you have your convictions and you're not going to change it for anybody. Because you have your God, you have your people. You are not going to change this for a system. The system can tell you, come. They told me, come. Sunday other teachers are taking classes. I said, ask my students whether they want classes. They have no need. I've finished everything and I'm revising with them. So I don't have to come on a Sunday. He said, okay, fine. Because we are all having a party, teachers, get together. I said, sorry, sir, I cannot come. I cannot come. It's not possible for me. Because that's when my most of my services are in the evening till late night. I cannot come. But you have to, from the beginning till the end, the one day you go for it, it is gone. Then the pressure will come. You came last week, no? so what's the problem this week? So this is where you need to realize the system is very, very, very sharp. They are always out there to get you to compromise. Okay, But remember, when you go to God, we have mercy. He's take, taken all of our past away. He's giving us a new beginning. There is always room for mercy. But he say, grow in your convictions. Grow in your convictions. And as you grow in your convictions, every day take a stand. By faith. Because when the day of evil comes, the only question is, will you stand? And it is all over. Will you be still standing? Will you be still standing? So learn to sit with God. Learn to walk before God and with man. And learn to stand against the powers of darkness. And we shall pray. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then 
I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for thin that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul, Lord. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. This morning we have looked at the Lord's word. Take a stand. First thing, take a stand for God. So that God can take a stand for you. <laughs> Second thing, take a stand for your home. For your home. Third thing, take a stand for your church. So this is where pressure will come from. That's why you have to take your stand first for God. If you take your stand first for your family, when the family starts putting pressure on you, you will compromise on God. That's why Enoch was taken alone. That's why God says, what two in the bed, one will be taken. Who will be the one? In some beds, both will be taken. But that's not the condition. Why did he say one? It's not talking every bed, only one will be taken. He's talking about this is an eventuality because you took a stand for God. Then second, you take a stand for your home. And third, you take a stand for God's family, that is the church. But everywhere it has to be God. Because your family doesn't follow God, but the church does, then you have to choose between your family and your church. Everywhere it goes that way. But it all begins by taking a stand for God. You cannot take a stand before God until you stand before God. You see, Moses could not take a stand until he had stood before God. At the age of 80, he saw a bush on fire. And he turned aside to see that state. And that is for the first time in his life he's standing before God. And God tells him, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. And once that encounter is over, you will realize he stood with God. 
And he stood for God. And he stood before God's people. And he could stand before the Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt and all the hordes of hell. Everything picture, in picture form it is put. Why was a, a Moses just with a wooden rod be able to stand with the most powerful man on earth, the greatest army on earth? All the problems he faced in Egypt with his people, his family, his eldership, his congregation. Why is he able to stand? Because first he stood before God alone. If you don't stand before God alone, I'm telling you, the pressure is going to increase. Babylon, remember, Nebuchadnezzar said, turn the heat of the fire seven times. And these three men still stood. It's going to change. The heat, the pressure is going to come on. Everything that we believe as true and sacred and sacrosanct will be attacked. Everything. The question is, if you have been stood before God, when the pressure increases. He had a brother who was three years older than him called Aaron. But when Moses went up to the mountains and the people said, make us a golden calf, he compromised and made a golden calf and called it Elohim, the name of God. Why? Because Aaron had never stood before God. Never stood before God. So if I don't stand before God, then when the pressure comes, I will start compromising giving into the wishes of the people and changing the nature of the eternal God into the shape they want and they are used to because in Egypt they were used to other gods which was also a cow. You have to be very careful. You remember what it means. It's not a small message. It's, a, it's an important message. What we stand for and what we stand against matters and you cannot First, you don't understand all the truth you understand about God and you take a stand for God. Once you have taken a stand for the person of God, he starts revealing the truth about him. Otherwise, we'll be like a communist who is standing for his ideology. We're not standing for an ideology. We're standing for God. When we stand for the person of God, when we look at the cross and understand, no man has ever loved me. Boy, if this is what God has to do to his own son, what must sin be? And what must holiness be and righteousness be? Therefore, you take a stand for God. And then he starts revealing the other things. But first you take a person, stand for the person of God. Don't be a communist. Because communists are very strong and powerful, but it's all about an ideology, which is demonic. And their unity, their loyalty, their everything is connected with a demonic ideology. See, loyalty, unity are all good words, can be used for evil. Because what is the object of your loyalty? What is the object of a unity? Our object of a unity, loyalty is all God revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is where we stand. Yes, we shall pray. Come baby, you pray today. Lord, we stand, we stand in awe of you. We stand, Lord, we stand. We stand in awe of you today, Father. We just thank you this morning. We thank you. And we just thank you. We just thank you. We come, oh Father, boldly to the throne room of grace today. Tending mercy, Father. Mercy, mercy, mercy upon us, Father. I pray for a cleansing this morning. Our mind. Purge us, Lord, of our hearts. 
Who can ascend into the holy hills of heaven except a man or woman who has clean hands and a pure heart? Pray, Father, purge us this morning. Purge us. Truly we can say, Father, we need to learn to stand from Monday through Sunday since we woke up this morning, Father. When we examine our hearts and we test our minds, Lord, have we really stood for what is right? Have we stood for Jesus? Have we taken a stand? This morning, we examine our hearts. As we heard yesterday, is it about us or is it about Jesus? When we are offended, when we are angry, when we are hurt, are we offended because they touch something there that we didn't like? And this morning we come, we confess. We confess, Father, we confess. Against you, you only, have we sinned and done evil in thy sight. But we thank you today for the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for what you're doing right now. We examine our hearts, Father. We start Monday morning, the 20th of March. We start right now examining our hearts, my God. Offense took place. Anger set in. Frustration set in. Anxiety set in. We opened so many doors during the week. Yes, we heard the word yesterday. And your word will not come back void. It will accomplish what it was sent out to do. But Monday morning, as the little child prayed yesterday, Father, Sunday we're in church. Are we the same on a Monday? Out of the mouth of babes, you spoke to us yesterday while she prayed. What's so different about us today, this Monday morning? Have we put God first? Oh Lord, forgive us when we put you on a back burner. Forgive us when we do things on our own accord. Forgive us when we don't even realize that we're a lousy witness sometimes for Jesus. We can be a lousy witness. The fire in us is not burning like it should. Rekindle our fire this morning, Father. I truly mean that. Rekindle our fire. Fan back the flames in us, my God, this morning. Search our hearts, my God. Search our hearts. Search the inner thoughts and the intentions of our heart this morning. Such our innermost being this morning, Father, as we do a checkup from the neck up. Such as today. Cleanse the eyes. Cleanse the ears. Cleanse the lips. Cleanse the mind. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us, I pray this morning. Help us. Help us, my God, help us. Touch our hearts this morning, Father. Touch our hearts, my God. 
And we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, Father, we sing it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It is all about you, my God. So we keep hearing and we keep hearing and we keep hearing faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the word of God. I pray that faith arise in every one of us this morning, everyone online today, everyone online, listening, tuning in. I pray you will hear from the Holy Spirit. I pray you will hear and you've heard the still small voice. I pray for the 45th. I pray right now that you touch him. God says, be not ashamed of me and I won't be ashamed of you. He says, come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Place my yoke upon me and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray today, every one of us Every one of us will forgive the ones that have hurt us. And in turn, if we have hurt somebody else. With our words, with our words, with our actions, with our deeds. I pray we will forgive. I pray we will not have unforgiveness in our heart. I pray we will let go today and let God be God. I pray today. As you examine your heart, everyone, ask God to help you to get rid of the anger, the deep-rooted anger. Be angry and sin not. It's not easy. It's not easy. But when we ask for the mind of Christ, and we say, the old us is dead, we are new creations. Peace about our past. Grace for today. Hope for the future. I pray today. We know we have hope. Yes, we're sojourners and pilgrims on this earth. But we have hope. We have hope. There is hope. There is hope. This morning God is reminding us that we shouldn't allow anybody to steal our crown from us. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Be steadfast. Do not let anyone steal your crown from you. Stay on the straight and narrow path. Truly, 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 do not consider the former things Behold, I have a new beginning. I will make roads in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. I will flood the dry grounds. I will flood the dry grounds. Today we believe our God will flood the dry grounds. Today we believe if we've been going through a dry spell spiritually... 
if we've gotten complacent. We believe today we will rekindle. We'll go back to the cross. Cause us today. Cause us to repent. Cause us to fall in love with Jesus today. Cause us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Cause us to love you more and more each day. Cause us. Cause us. It's about you. It's about the king. It's about the kingdom. It's about you. It's about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's not about us, my God. Ain't nothing good in us. Ain't nothing good in us, my God. Ain't nothing good in us, my God. We realize it today. We realize we have nothing good. We have nothing good. But that's the God we serve. You are good. You are good. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the great I am. You are the wonderful counselor. You are sovereign. You are God in control. You sit on the throne. Heaven is your throne. Earth is your footstool. And you said you would make our enemies our footstool. You said, you said, when away, when your ways, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We commit this whole week into thy hands. Be with all of us. Go before us, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now by faith we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.